Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Is this really obnoxiously loud? No? Does it sound good? Good. Thank you. I need constant affirmation. That's who I am. Uh, my name is Chris. I am the lead pastor here. My pronouns are he, him. And thank you for starting the fall season with us. Uh, I got good news and bad news, and they're both the same. Uh, we have no music today, like no piano and singing. Uh, my wife is in um, getting her MBA, and they have a weekend class. And so instead of singing, unless you guys want me to sing. Yeah? No? <laughs> right, right, right. No. Uh, I can play the guitar, drums, trumpet, bass guitar. Where's Ross? Bass guitar. Yeah, no big deal. I'm a kind of a savant, people call it. So, um, uh, but we're going to do, instead of music worship, we're going to be taking communion together at the very end of the service. And also, um, we have no five-minute break. Because I could give announcements and then uh, wait for three minutes and no one would get up and do anything and then <laughs> start the message. So we're going to go right in the message so we can get outside and we can eat uh, some brats and hot dogs. So, um, but feel free at any point, if you want to get up and get more donuts, you want to get more coffee, you want to go outside and yell at the sky, uh, you can do whatever you'd like here. We're incredibly, incredibly laid back. But I am glad that you're here. And if you want to stick around for um, brats and hot dogs after, um, they, and we're going to have the Vikings game on because, you know, if you care about that thing, then people really care about that. Um, I have to plan, um, since we work on Sundays, I have to plan any kind of event we have around um, a group of 52 men, 104 men that I'll never meet in my life, right? I have to plan around them playing a game because it's very, very important. So I get, and I like sports, but I, I like making fun of them. So um, here's how the barbecue is going to work. I, I'm like, I love throwing parties, and uh, my partner does not like the way I throw parties um, because Nikki will be like, we had a huge argument about, um, our grad party coming up, I'm like, we don't need a tent. We don't need tables and chairs. People can just move around. And Nikki's like, we're getting a tent, we're getting tables, and we're getting chairs. I'm like, why? People can, like, mingle and move around. That's how, like, I like, I don't like tables and chairs because if you sit at a, if you've ever been at a party and you sit at a table, and then now you are stuck with whoever's right across from you and whoever's next to you, right? And that could be, like, one out of ten times would be awesome, and other times it's not always as great. So, um, Nikki, my partner, said, you have to put tables and chairs outside. So we put all our tables and chairs outside, which is literally two tables and I think six chairs. So, <laughs> right? So we kind of both win. So feel free to grab your plate. You can stand up and you can talk. You can talk with me. And all of a sudden you're like, this guy is boring. I don't want to talk to him. You can be like, uh, excuse me. And then you go talk to someone else. It's wonderful. So uh, right after service, we'll be outside. Um, feel free to stand or sit. And then um, next week we have... Uh, the Mug Club, and Mug Club is like our newcomers class. If you've just been dying to ask me like the world's hardest questions, all right? I love hard questions. This would be your space where you could ask questions about like what does it mean to get involved? Why in the world would people give any money to this institution? What do you do with the money? What do you believe about some theological thing? This is the place where you can come and you can ask and you can learn more about uh, what it means to be a member at um, Neighborhood. So that's Mug Club. Oh, and at the end of it, Peter... You can steal a mug on purpose and for free. So um, that's next Sunday, uh, right after service. And then, um, oh, if you see 
uh, on our community board outside, there's something coming up in October called Dance TV. And his guy, the guy's name is Andrew, I think, Fire. Oh, I think I'm saying it right. Um, he's putting it on, and he got a grant um, to put on this, this production. Um, and it's uh, made and directed by uh, queer people. And it's, it's going to be awesome. And actually, he's going to come up, and he's going to talk about um, why is it important that we support queer art. And it, he's going to come actually share with us for a little bit. It's going to be so good. But there's going to be, I think there's like, like five shows, um, but if you want to go support it, it's called Dance TV. It's going to be, it's going to be really good. How are the balcony people doing up there? Top shelf. Kira, you doing all right up there, balcony people? I like to acknowledge the balcony people that you're up there and I see you. It's okay. Right? Yes, Ryan. I'm glad you're here. I appreciate me a lot too. So, um, and I think that is, oh, if you'd like to give to Neighborhood, we're big fans of people giving. Uh, and your donations and your uh, generous gifts is how we keep the doors open. And so if you're here or you're watching online and you find some inspiration or belonging in what we do, uh, we'd love to have you support us. And you can do that at neighborhood.love um, or use the QR code right in front of you. It can take you to the, our text giving. Or if, um, Alex, you love writing checks, you can throw one in the, in the back as, <laughs> as well. All right. Are you guys doing okay? You're going to be okay without a five-minute break? You're, you're going to be Okay. Okay, good. So, um, uh, I've shared a couple times this spring uh, was really a very difficult time for me. And on one particular day, I was just feeling, um, have you ever felt like, like you're in a room full of people and you still feel isolated and alone? Right? You ever felt that? That was me. I'm walking into Duluth Coffee Company, um, and I see one of the baristas, uh, Bong. His name's Eric Bong. And um, we're friends. And I love going there because of the, the product they make, but also the baristas and the way that um, Eric Faust created a culture, it just feels really, for, at least for me, feels really, really welcoming, and I feel like I belong. And I was just like, I, I clearly brought some energy into this space, because Bong looked at me, he did like one of these, like, hee. <laughs> and based on my observation, I was anticipating that, because Eric and I have been friends, and the way we've been friends is that we make small talk, we talk about spirituality, or yoga, and, or about coffee, and then he looked at me, and he hopped up on this, like, this little knee wall. He hopped up on it and jumped down, and he gave me a big hug. Now, pause. If you don't know me, I'm not a big fan of physical touch, right? And people are like, oh, so you hate being touched? It's not that I hate being touched. I hate um, being touched without a purpose, right? So I, I had someone, they were running this meeting, and they just put their arm around me. It had no purpose, right? They just put their arm around me. They're like, well, anyways, and so the spreadsheet says X, Y, and Z. And I felt so uncomfortable. Or if people come up and, like, they put their shoulder on me, like, unless, unless we're playing, like, you're my coach, and you have to put your hand on me, like, we're going to run through that brick wall solder, right? Outside of that, people will, like, well, touch me as they talk. And it's like, you don't, we don't need to touch. To I can hear you without, you know, physical touch on me. Um, and so um, usually getting hugs that I don't consent to is not something I'm a fan of, right? And it surprised me, and he hugged me, and I felt incredible. It felt so good. I think I even started crying. I won't lie. <laughs> he looked at me, dude. So, um, because my observation of our relationship, of our friendship, that out of nowhere there's this new experience, and it moved me into a different place. Have you been here before? You have an idea of um, the pumpkin spice latte, Right? And who, who's a fan of pumpkin spice latte? Anybody? Raise your hands. All right. You guys are all horrible people. So um, um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that as a pastor. But um, uh, you have an idea of what 
the pumpkin spice latte is going to taste, right? And you're building up in your head like, it's going to be creamy, it's going to be pumpkin me and what does pumpkin even taste like you don't know but you, you make it up in your mind and you take a sip of it and you're like this is garbage and you spit it out and you throw it on the ground and you move on with your life right you, maybe you've had this with a friend or family member or maybe you've had it with god positive or negative you have an idea an observation of what that event that taste that experience that person is and then you have this experience and it moves you into a different space this is what we're talking about today and this is a, for those who are here and who are listening to the podcast or watching, this might be a trigger word for you. We're going to be talking about, Ange, experiencing God, right? And for me, when I hear that, if, I, if someone goes, oh, we're going to experience God, I instantly am like, no, we're not. <laughs> not today, this guy ain't. Um, because I was raised um, in a Pentecostal, charismatic um, community, right? Uh, and this is where and I'm, I'm really not mocking this. I had tons of really, really life-giving experiences. Um, but this is like where you would like play music, like worship music for like half hour or 45 minutes. And people would stand up and they raise their hands. People might dance. People might like yell like things randomly. Um, and we were, we were taught how to make everything in a service, church service, about experiencing God. Let's get as, remove as many obstacles as possible. And so we would, we, maybe we would pray for each other, and one person would keep their eyes open. If you were the prayer, right, that's what it is, right? if you're the prayer, we were taught to put your hands on their back, and then you'd watch them, and if they started crying, that would be a sign, that'd be a sign of that they're experiencing God. So maybe you'd spend a little more time on that. Um, they would give, uh, uh, what do we used to call it, um, praying in tongues, right? People would feel inspired by God and filled with the Holy Spirit where they would speak a foreign language, right? And then someone else would hear it and then interpret it and say, oh, this is, through that speaking in tongues, this is what God is saying. And some people found a lot of meaning in that. They felt really, really good. There'd be prophecy. Um, And in those spaces, um, funny, what they deemed the experience of God uh, that would be the experience of God. And for me, I had a lot of good experiences there, but through, when I started deconstructing my faith, when I started reimagining what I thought God is and what God can be, I looked at that experience, and I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. It doesn't feel authentic to me, and it's authentic to some people, right, for a lot of people, actually, but I just couldn't do it. And when I stepped out, and there's a lot of us that I've, I've talked to you guys once you leave that experience, you feel like, well, then how am I going to experience God? If I can't do this, this evangelical Christian church thing, then if that's experiencing God, and I don't have that, or I don't want that, a lot of people just feel, then I don't know how to experience God. I don't get to experience God. Because if it's a spectrum of Pentecostalism and charismatic, and that is an experience of God, to intellectual um, assent. And there is no God that wants to connect with us. There is no God that is present with us. Um, I probably fall, like, in the middle still, yes, Sarah, leaning this way towards Pentecostals, right? Because I believe that there is a God who's active. I believe that there's a God who wants to be with us. To me, that would be a very cold world if there was no divine love that was um, engaging with the real world in real time. So what are we supposed to do then? What does experiencing God look like? Um, Because if if, if it has just to be this, and I was taught that. I was taught, like, if you want the best experience of God, you have to do 
uh, your morning time devotions. Any morning time devotional people out there? Right? I, I was, right? And I was taught that if you do those, that's how you have a real experience with God. If I can't, um, and if I do these things, then I get it. So move on. So what does the experience of God look like? Lucky for us, in the Bible, there's tons and tons and tons of stories of a God that was somewhere else that would show up and engage people in surprising ways. Stories like Moses, right? You guys remember Moses? And there's the burning bush, and um, the divine says to take the, the sandals off, right? Because he's on holy ground. And he has this experience with this talking bush, and the talking bush has no pronouns, right? Um, that changes his life. Whatever he thought his trajectory of life was, through one conversation, it moves through somewhere else. Um, the, there's a story about a, a young woman named Hagar who is essentially kidnapped from her um, family and has this horrible, horrible, horrible experience with Abraham and Sarah. And so she does what any like teenager would do, right? They run away. They're like, if this is what life is, I want something else. And she runs into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God sees her, chases after her, and tells her, like, I believe in you. Everything's going to be okay, essentially. And Hagar um, is the first person in the Bible to name God, right? God's name is not God. That is a name we use to something that we can never name, right? And in the Bible, there's over, I think there's 40 to 46 different names that people give God, and Hagar is the first. And the English translation is the God who sees, the God who sees me uh, specifically. And then in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is this wild book that says the quiet stuff out loud, right? In the book of Psalms, the, the authors, um, they, didn't, they were not handed that you can't curse God, right? Like I was raised that um, you're not supposed to take the Lord's name in vain, which at the time it was you can't use the word God and anything that might be negative. You could say God bless, but you can't say, you know, God well, I shouldn't say it, right? Gosh darn it, all right? I was even taught you can't even use other words that might imply that you're using, like, gosh darn it. People are like, can't say it, cursing God. And now what I've learned, like, taking the Lord's name in vain has nothing to do with saying the word God. Nothing. Um, and because in the Psalms, they will start, one, one chapter will start out by cursing God. God, where are you? You are dead to me. You abandoned me. I'm getting my teeth kicked in by my enemies. And then it ends the chapter with, and I will worship you all the days of my life. It's like, what are you doing, my man? Because they don't see being honest as a threat to God. They don't see being um, vulnerable in who they are as some sort of like, I'm going to get less of an experience of God. They are just being present. And in Psalm 34, uh, one, of my, one of my favorite parts in the Psalms, um, and I've used it as a mantra, and I've used it in my messages multiple times. In Psalm 34, it says, um, taste and see the goodness of God, which I love that metaphor because it, it sets you up of you can have this experience and you can see it, you can observe it, right? Like my friend uh, Eric Baum. I have an observation idea of what I'm going to experience when I walk in and then we're supposed to be, um, have this, this, this uh, consume, the, the consuming God, like taking God, embodying God. The experience is not just supposed to be intellectual, it's meant to be taken in. And when you have an experience with God like that, it changes you, right? And, um, and the hard part for me, even as a pastor, uh, what I was taught was you can experience God in church. You can experience God through the Bible. You can experience God through Christian, <laughs> Christian music, right? Um, 
uh, you can experience God uh, at this conference. You can experience God by only these offers, uh, these authors. And as pastors, we are really good at creating those ex- experiences. And there is a, a former pastor, um, no longer a pastor, there is a, a woman who was really, really good at that. And she would teach this class, and uh, she, would, uh, she would say, the best community is church. The best experience of God happens in church. Uh, when, as soon as you say that, then you're saying any other experience is somehow less than what church is. And the reason that um, churches do that is because it's a great business model. If you say, like they would, they would say, hey, come to this conference or come to this um, service, and we want you expecting a miracle. Anyone heard that before? Come expecting, right? And who wouldn't want to experience a miracle? Who wouldn't want to experience God? And so you tell people, come here to this service at 6 p.m., um, and you're going to experience God. You show up, and you're going to be vulnerable. You're going you're gonna to believe them. And you, since you want it, you're like, okay, then whatever's going to happen, I'm going to experience God. Then they'd turn the lights down, the smoke machine would go on, and lights would come, and all of a sudden you have these feelings. You're like, oh, is this, is this the Holy Spirit? And may, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But when the person gets up on stage and says, hey, this group of people right here, um, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. God's going to f- come. Just wait for like three, two, one. And as you might anticipate, the people who are sitting there, when you tell them that, they're like, oh, God is going to come. God is going to show up right here. And when I blow, right, I, just, I watched Benny Hinn many times, right? Benny Hinn would like go, whoosh, blow on people, and every, all those people would fall over, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to try it? <laughs> You're like, no, right? Um, and they would fall over. And why? Because someone told them, this is God, and you're about to have an experience, and when that experience happens, you believe it to be true. Now, that's between that group and God if that's an experience, right? But by doing that, people will give a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money if they can keep showing up and having that kind of experience. The only problem is, is that you have to keep creating more and more and more experiences. You have to keep adding more and more classes, more and more conferences, because if you really believe this is the only place I experience God, you're going to give a lot to it, and you get burned out, because there's never enough, right? At some point, you feel uh, uninspired. Sometimes you feel, like for me, I felt like uh, used. I felt taken advantage of, and I had to walk away from it. And in this class, back to the former pastor, in this class, uh, she would say, um, Christian church, funny, the church that she worked at, is the best experience. And then would mock and say, yeah, maybe you can go to a bar, maybe you can join a dart league, maybe you can go to a gym, and you can have a community, but that's not real experiencing God. Church is where you get the best experience. And I remember the first time she said it, I'm like, that's, that's interesting. And, I, and then I believed it. I'm like, I can't find community in this in this community because I have to belong to a small group. I have to belong to this church because I really want to experience God. What I've learned when I walked away uh, from that, deconstructing my faith, is I can absolutely experience God everywhere. I have a friend um, who loves Big Brother. Any Big Brother Bobos out there, the TV show? All right. So um, I'm with you. I can't stand the show either. (laughs) But I have a friend who loves the show, right? Like, pays money to get, like, special access. Been watching the show for, like, two decades. Um, And uh, my friend joined Twitter, or X, and now my Twitter feed is 
filled with this person engaging with other strangers. I'm like, can you believe what Billy did last night? I'm like, no, because I don't care. Right? And I can't believe, why would Sarah do this? And um, I, I love it. Every time I comment on all of them, I'm like, yeah, way to go. Um, at first to mock her because <laughs> I'm a great friend. Um, and then I have this like aha moment. I'm like, okay, if my friend is nerding out on this and they're finding inspiration, belonging, they're welcoming new, like, strangers, and they're having this common experience, something I don't understand, but they're finding joy and peace in that, like, who am I to call that not a community, right? Just because I don't understand it it doesn't mean I have to, it's a lesser experience, right? Because for me, I love the Minnesota Golden Gophers wrote about Sky Yuma, right? Love them. And I nerd out. I follow people on Twitter. I follow um, juniors in high school on Twitter because they want to become a gopher and I learn their names, right? I know at school. That, yeah, exactly. I nerd out, but somehow, funny, I deem that like mature and adult and really cool things, but big brother to me like, right? The whole point is when you, wherever you find inspiration and love and belonging, like, and the, res- the result of it is love, that's heaven. That's God. It can go well go beyond expand just like some worship song that we play on the piano. We can experience God in that too. But like I have a friend who joined a new gym and like found a lot of belonging and created friendships out of it. Why? Because when you're with people, like-minded people, where you can do things that you love doing together, that, my friends, is community. And in community, we experience God. Now, here's a good question. What does experiencing God look like, right? How did Jesus experience God? Like, if you read the Gospels, most people would say, well, Jesus experienced God. Um, There's a couple stories. Jesus would get up in the morning, and Jesus would go into the wilderness, and uh, Jesus would pray. Um, And what Jesus would pray, because Jesus to this day, right, I I believe so, is still um, not a white Christian. Jesus is not a Christian. Sorry to break the news, Zoe, right? Jesus is a Middle Eastern brown rabbi, right? And so Jesus would have his way and his tradition of how he would pray, and it seems like it's great. But what I used to believe is Jesus did that so then Jesus could tolerate and have enough God in him to be able to go throughout the day, right? To me, I believe Jesus experienced God in the wilderness and praying, but I also believe that Jesus probably experienced God when he'd get low and the kids would run and try pushing him over. I imagine Jesus experienced God when he put mud on the blind man's eyes and he's like, I hope this works, right? And the guy gets healed and he can see. I imagine that was mind-blowing to Jesus. I imagine Jesus going to get a drink of water at the well and like believed a woman and her story and then just reminded who she's always been. I bet that blew Jesus' mind. I imagine Jesus when, when he sees the, the, the Roman centurion and he says, run home because your kid is now healed. I bet that blew Jesus' mind. Like, I can't believe this is happening, right? And because to me, the way Jesus experienced God is when he was with people, right? And I say it all the time, and I hope you're sick of me saying this word, but the ministry of Jesus was table to table, human to human. Because any time that you connect with another human, right? Like, how are we supposed to love God? By loving our neighbor as ourselves. It is in those sacred spaces, believing inspiring, listening, remembering, and reminding each other is where we experience heaven. If the receipts are love, there, there's God. And so, and that's what church is, right? Church is 
curating an experience, yes, 100%. Listening to the world's best announcements, hello, all right? Listening to this highbrow intellect message, and, and I, love it. I love it when Nikki plays the piano and sings. Those are all really, really positive. But for me, the purpose of church is that we collectively can look at each other and we can remind each other that who you are is good and beautiful. That we remind each other the work that you're doing is sacred and holy. And we remind each other that and we inspire to keep doing the work of being you, being the fullest you. That's the kind of church that I've always, always wanted. And so to me, experiencing God has to go so much bigger than like crying during some worship music. I believe that since the divine is in all places, all spaces, in every element of energy, there's God, then the whole world is our sanctuary. So we're going to do communion in a little bit. But before we do, I'm going to do a little practice with you. When you hear the word good and beautiful, maybe good and beautiful God, maybe good and beautiful you, what do you think of? What things come to mind? If you could do like a visualization, if you had a table in front of you, and you think, oh, good and beautiful God, what are the things that are on the table? What are those beliefs? What are those feelings? What are those statements? And I want you to process, look at those. Are they really good? (laughs) Are they actually beautiful? Do they actually, like, inspire you to be, like, your fullest self? Because for me, there's things in former versions of Chris, right, that I was a 24-year-old Chris, was handed something says, God is so, so good because Jesus' blood spilled on the ground for me. Right? We call that penal substitution. And because of the blood of Christ, I am saved. Right? For a long time, that meant a lot to me. And then when I reimagined who God was, I'm like, why, why am I holding on to this version of a God who had to murder his son because I was so bad? Because original sin implied. Sorry, God. My bad. <laughs> I said, I believe in penal substitution again. <laughs> well, that's funny. What was I going with that? All right. Oh, I, I don't need to believe that a God had to murder his son because to pay this, the price for my sins? No. Like, for me, the reason Jesus died, because Jesus stood up against the empire and says there's a better way of living life. And it's through loving, including, and believing. So he was a threat, and so that's what empires do. They murder you, right? They, they keep, keep you quiet. So maybe there's something that you've been holding on to because you felt like, I have to hold on to this because this is tied to God. My encouragement, I've talked to a ton of people about this, is you can put those things down. Like, you're going to be okay. And guess what? So is God. And when you put that thing down, it gives you almost permission to turn and say, well, what other experiences maybe could I have? What other ways of loving or experiencing God might I now have room for to do? So then people, and those who are watching online, instantly, they're like, oh, Chris, you're just giving people permission to go have affairs, and you're giving, just go around and sleep with everyone you want and do lines of coke and just, right? They, they go to this, this, this very threatening place. You want to know why? to scare you, to keep you quiet. It's a fear tactic. They want to keep you safe, is what they use the word. They want you to keep in the same place. Why? Because it benefits them, right? I, instead, what I'd say is, yeah, 
the things that you've always wondered or you thought. Maybe you wanted to join Dart League, but you felt like, oh, I can't, right? Maybe you wanted to go make a new friend. Maybe you wanted to go try something else, right? And if in that experience you find God, you find love, you find inclusion, you find inspiration, then do it again. And if you try that experience and you, 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 you experience, I don't know, greed, <laughs> dehumanizing someone else, uh, something that's homophobic or racist, something that just only feeds your ego over and over and over again and you always win, then maybe you should like maybe put that down and try something else. Because if, if God is in this wild thing we call the world and everywhere we go we can experience God, there's infinite ways that we can do that. And my encouragement to you is to not stay small, to not stay silent, but go live your best life. <laughs> like your, your old man, Brian LaCour, uh, once uh, told me, he in his in his uh, kayak he had like a sponge, and I'm like, why do you have a sponge? And he goes, well, if a little bit of water gets in there, um, I can take the sponge and I can get that little bit of water out, so I don't have to sit in the wet. And I'm like, wow, that seems like a lot of work just so you're not wet. And he looked at me and he goes, Chris, there's a better way of living life, <laughs> right? Go out and live your best life. Try new things. And whatever your freak flag is flying, if it's Big Brother, if it's go for football, if it's, you know, trying to, like, do 100 push-ups, if it's teaching at Renshaw, whatever it is that you do, right, going, doing a, a MRFs, right, like, let that freak flag fly. And in the midst of it, remind yourself that you are good and beautiful. Not just when you do this, not just when you read the Bible, not just when you show up to church, like, the, the gospel is, is that you've always been good. And there's times that we just have to remind each other of that beauty. So now we're going to have an experience of God. And no, we're not going to speak in tongues. <laughs> right? We're going to take communion. And taking communion, I'm going to hand this to you. Can you unwrap it? And then uh, take one. Anyone who wants to take communion, you, you can. And just pass it to the people around you. Um, we take communion. Here you go, Peter. We do this, uh, it's called the sacrament. And the balcony people, you got some up there, yep. Yeah. Uh, we do this sacrament because, um, not just because we're a church and we're required to do it. I'm going to start in the back here. There you go. You want to, if you want, take one and pass it this way, yeah. Uh, the reason we take this sacrament is it is a way that we can remind ourselves of the beauty and what I believe the majesty of Christ. Hey, Ranch, thank you. And it's also something that connects us with this, um, this, this, this the, the wideness of what we've called this, the history of the saints. This is a practice that people who are in the Christian stream have been practicing and participating in for thousands of years. And I love the idea of um, standing with other people throughout history, all over the world, different skin tones, different languages, but collectively we can say we do this together. And also, we take communion. Um, uh, a lot more than just, uh, oh, we're a church, we're supposed to do it. Well, you can have this, oh yeah, I'll take it, Peter, if you're all done. Ladies, did you get some? Oh, it's coming, it's coming your way. There you go. The communion is a way we can also taste and see the goodness of God. Go, friend. 
Baron, did you get, oh, yeah, right behind you. We can take Psalm 34, and it can move from a metaphor. Thank you. It can move from a story. I'll take it. Thank you. Where it can move to actual, like, bone, blood, and skin. Because, like we talked about earlier, you have an idea of what this is going to taste like, right? You can see that it's probably not going to taste really good, <laughs> right? You can feel it, and when you're about to taste it, you're going to taste the, like, the staleness of the cracker, maybe the salt from the person who touched it before you because they have sweaty hands, <laughs> right? You're going you're gonna to taste maybe a little bit of, uh, of, of what the cracker brings, but also what it's going to do is you're consuming it. And it's going to go into your body, it's going to go into your bloodstream, and it's going to bring some energy and life. And this is what the Christ is. It's meant to see, observe, appreciate, love, but we're meant to take the, the mystery and the majesty of the Christ into us so that it impacts and influences our energy and brings us, like, calories, and it moves into our muscles, into our blood, so we can continue to be Jesus-looking people. So... On the night, uh, the night he was betrayed, yes, um, tells the story that Jesus sat with his buddies at a table. And again, table to table, sitting at a table, and he says, he breaks some bread or whatever this is, right? <laughs> he cracks the cracker, and he says, um, uh, eat my body, right? Which is a really weird statement if you think about it, of a grown man looking at a group and saying, eat my body, Right? But do this in remembrance of me. And so as we take this cracker, we're not only remembering and thought, but we're practically taking in the goodness of Christ. Let's take the cracker. And then Jesus took the wine. This is, sadly, not wine, Zoe. Right? Jesus took the Welch's grape juice and said, <laughs> right? He says, to drink in the blood. And do it as remembrance of me. That the blood that was spilled from Jesus was not for your sins, right? It was not for your soul. Jesus gave of his life because that's what love does. Love gives. Let's take in the juice as a form of worship and experiencing the love of Christ. I'm going to pray. If you are the praying type, and you'd like to join me, I'd love to have you join me. So God, I really, really do love you. And I thank you that experiencing you is in so wild, infinite ways. There are so many ways to love and experience God. And so I pray that even today, as we share hot dogs and brats, right, that even in the connection at the table, face-to-face, -face, that we can experience love, that we can experience heaven, and we can experience you. And I pray that throughout this week that we'll be surprised as we think or intentionally try new things, that we can be surprised by how love even resides in that place, in that space. And will you help us to continue to remind the people around us that they are good and beautiful, that they are deeply, deeply loved, and that we can continue to create these dynamic experiences with you, with ourselves, and with the friends around us. So we love you. In your name, amen. All right. Um, thank you for being in this space with me. I really, really do love uh, this community. 
And if you want to stick around, I believe the food is ready. You can make your way out at any point. And at noon, if you're still here, the game, yes, the G Vikings game will be on. So no more tears. All right. So thank you, friends. <laughs>